This is AM Rush Sports Edition. We're going to try something a little new and a little fun here where we're giving an entire podcast to just talk about sports. Today, we have on the AM New York Metro sports editor, Joe Pantorno. Joe and I are going to be talking about everything going on with the return of PGA Golf in June and also the slated return, not just for tennis, but for the U.S. Open in Queens. Now, that facility is currently being used as a field hospital for coronavirus. So we're going to get Joe's take on this. We're going to hear what he has to say. And we're also going to talk about a story we wrote about how to bring back baseball if it's coming back this season. Joe, we got some big news in sports today. What's going on? Hey, Alex, not much. Thanks so much for having me on. Really appreciate it. Golf, or the PGA Tour, is going to resume in June, correct? Uh, Correct. That is uh, at least the tentative plan for the time being. Uh, The PGA Tour announced that uh, starting on June 8th with the Charles Schwab uh, Invitational that they'll have... uh, that, uh, that golf will be back in the, in the swing of things. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a big day in sports, uh, at least tentatively. Uh, the PGA Tour announced that they're planning on hosting the Charles Schwab Invitational uh, starting on June 8th, uh, meaning that, hey, we're actually going to have sports for a change, and uh, there is, in fact, a light at the end of the tunnel here. So uh, fingers crossed that uh, all goes well, and uh, at least we can have some kind of live sporting event to, to take in in the, in the near future. Tennis is also planned to make a return in August, not just the sport of tennis, but it's coming back to New York. Yeah, uh, for the, again, for the time being, um, the United States Tennis Association uh, announced today that the plan for now is that the U.S. Open is going to go on as planned uh, to start on August 24th. Um, but they also did mention that they're going to be working with medical professionals and a uh, small advisory board and if all things go well then sure you know we'll have tennis starting you know at the end of august but uh if things maintain uh the way they currently are uh, then they are prepared to either postpone or uh cancel it much like they did wimbledon but uh they, they did say that Time was on their side, at least, and they really don't have to make a cut-and-dry decision until June. Uh, at least that's when they're planning on doing so. So why I feel very hopeful about that is because the Billie Jean King Tennis Center, as you know, right now is being used as a field hospital. So the fact that they're able to flip that venue again back to tennis or, or tentatively right now, uh, a final decision will be made in a few weeks, but... As of right now, they believe that that won't be the case by the end of the summer, that the field, at least one field hospital in New York will be down and converted back into its true purpose. Right. You'd have to, uh, you'd have to figure, or uh, I guess in this case assume, that uh, the United States Tennis Association has their finger on the pulse or as close to it as uh, a lot of these uh, sporting organizations would have. Um, so I, I guess one could ascertain that they see, you know, they, they see the coronavirus cases kind of leveling out here in the United States. And even though New York remains an epicenter, uh, they might feel hopeful that things can calm down enough where in, you know, three or four months they can do this. 
in the time that you've been following this, the PGA might be a little bit different, but in the sense of tennis, have they said anything about having fans in the um, in the crowd? Uh, they didn't mention anything about fans. Uh, obviously, with the PGA Tour coming back so soon, uh, one would have to assume that there would be no fans present. But also, golf affords the opportunity where if there was a sport to come back first, this would be it. Yeah. Uh, just given its pastoral settings and its outdoors and uh, competition and the players are so far spread, uh, spread apart. Uh, so you really won't feel as large an effect of a crowdless event, um, you, you know, as compared to golf, where really I don't think a crowd is as vital to, say, player performance or atmosphere uh, compared to some of the other sports. Yeah, and if anything, you can argue that golfers perform better without a crowd, with the sound. Exactly. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So it actually might help them in the long run. Now, this is a story you and I both worked on. You, you took the lead on this about the, you know, it's kind of like we're doing like a Marvel comic book what if scenario with everything. Um, on the front of baseball, if baseball is to have a condensed season, I want to get your thoughts talking more about the theories that you put forward. And again, Joe, myself, and the editor in chief of AM New York Metro. Put down our our theory. What do you want to call it? Our theories or um, our our beliefs on how baseball should return if it's going to come back for this season. And we're going to have a link to that story in this. So, Joe, tell me, what do you think would be the best approach on bringing Major League Baseball back? Right. Yeah, this is a pretty fun story to work on, uh, just because obviously you, me, and, and Rob, we we love baseball, you know, as much as we do. So. Uh, given that we're all passionate about the game, we were able to get some pretty different ideas out there. And really, there's no wrong answer with this, which I think is what makes this debate so entertaining. Um, in terms of my vantage point, at least, um, I don't want to call myself a baseball purist, um, but I'm, I'm something close to it. So really, I think that a condensed season of this caliber say if opening day comes mid-June or even early July, is that neutral sites will be available uh, in two cities, um, two states, excuse me, uh, one in Arizona and one in Florida, which are the main sites for Major League Baseball spring training. Um, They have obviously indoor ballparks um, for climate-controlled settings, I guess, if needed, but also... Uh, the subsequent spring training facilities where multiple games per day can be hosted. So what my plan is, is that you take the 15 National League teams and you put them in Arizona, and you take the 15 American League teams and you put them in Florida. And basically, they only play each other. There's no interleague play, so it's something close to a throwback here. You know, uh, pre-1997 um, where really the only time the National League plays the American League is in the World Series. Uh, but before we get to that, really, um, so say, for example, here we'll, we'll use the Yankees as an example because uh, I, don't, I don't want people thinking that I'm biased to just talk about the Mets here. Um, say, you know, the Yankees, they are sent to Florida, and there's 14 other teams in the American League. So they would play each American League team six times. 
So that comprises an 84-game regular season, which would really take up about three months of play. So if you're starting the season in, say, June or July, that means the end of the regular season is coming in, coming in October or November, which really isn't that far off Major League Baseball's normal timeline. Usually the World Series ends late October, and in some rare cases, you know, the first day of November. Um, and, and with that, um, the top five teams in each league, obviously playing in isolation in both of these states, uh, the top five teams make the playoffs, and then it's the normal uh, playoff format. Your wild card game, your best of five divisional series, and the best of seven championship series and World Series. Uh, but for the World Series, at least I would think that it should be in a further central location. Um, and I know our editor-in-chief, Rob, also mentioned this. This would give um, Arlington an opportunity to show off its brand-new stadium at Globe Life mm-hmm. Park. Uh, and then if all goes well, the end of the baseball season comes in you know, December, and because you're playing your, your playoff games late in the year, uh, you know, in the winter, playing them in Arizona and Florida and Texas – it really won't be affected by the weather. So, uh, you know, that's that's one hopeful possible avenue that baseball could take, though I'm not sure if it would ever really happen. Uh, and, I, you know, I want to hear yours first, and then, you know, we can, we can talk about, I guess, uh, all the problems that come with it. But, uh, yeah, that's really it. So I, I like what you're saying. I think you raise a, a pretty – legitimate way to to go about it a way that's sizable digestible making the best of a crazy situation and what i focused on when i talked about my end was more on how to do a postseason because something else as my dad will say 20 times over and over again is that they used to play double headers all the time they can just keep playing double headers and double headers which which is true and i don't think too many people would object to watching two ball games a day especially after being so deprived for months. What I talked about in mind or what I focused on is if there are going to be two neutral sites, one for the National League out west and one for the American League in Florida, it almost feels like it's the World Cup in a way, where you're, you're in one area, all the teams come together, and it's almost like a, a lengthy tournament, even though it may not be so in, in that the fact that it's a few months, but it almost has like a a World Cup feel to it, and, and I'm going somewhere with this in that why not do one month of round-robin play? If you can integrate the league somehow, that'd be fun. If not, it's not the end of the world, but maybe someone flies out, or maybe you do interleague in Texas and the World Series in Texas, and both teams meet in the middle for that. And you get a third market involved, even if, sadly, fans won't likely be able to to attend. Or, you know, something else that's funny that just dawned on me now is that the Minnesota Vikings' new stadium flips for baseball. And it has the, um, it has the right field bump on it, too, which is right. interesting. Um, and that's completely climate controlled, and that could be a, a viable option for northern teams and minnesota is once again in a dome that that might be a a bit of irony they've they've been trying to get out of it but focusing on the playoff format i thought 
it would be a fun opportunity to really go at it and the league to take some chances this year. And for me, I don't know how you feel about this, but for me, a few years back when there were the game 162s, that was the most exciting time of baseball I've seen in the past few years. I am a one-game playoff junkie. I just I, I think it's such a great way to start the playoffs. It, the, the games just have like the feel, the energy, one and done. It, it feels like the World Series before the World Series in a way. Just you have to bring all your stuff tonight. So I thought that a modified version of that may be a fun way to do things. So July and August, you do regular season play. And then September, kind of like what I was saying about the World Cup, you would just play within your division, which is kind of like the group stage. And then at the end of September, all the teams ranked within their divisions. The numbers one and two have a doubleheader playoff to win the division. And if that doubleheader gets split, they play a third game the next day. I thought that that would be awesome. Everything's been thrown by the wayside. You might as well have some fun with this and, and maybe give Yankees fans another Bucky Dent moment. I, I think that that is such a cool way to go about it. And if it doesn't work, th- this season's a fluke anyway. You might as well go crazy with it. You might as well get a few teams that would have been on the cusp and probably not made the playoffs. At least you're getting their fans reinvigorated to be excited about something. And honestly, in those situations, you know, there, there was the Mike Piazza home run after September 11th. I think that this season is going to have a new version of the Mike Piazza moment where someone is going to hit a walk-off or something phenomenal is going to happen that's just going to give us all that, that hope again. Like, we just, we have baseball back. Life is back. It's not so bad. Th- things are okay. So I, I know I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here, but from there, when you have the division winners, the two best losers of that divisional playoff would just go to the wild card game. And then you have the normal playoffs. You have your division winners, and you have two wild card teams per league. And I think that that might be a fun way to go about a helter skelter season. And yeah, I actually, I, I really like that, Alex. And um, you know, you kind of touched on it, where there, you know, baseball has an opportunity to have this iconic moment. And really, I think that's what Rob Manfred needs more than anything right now. Just given how really entering the 2020 season, there's been a lot of people who have been down on baseball because whether it's pace reasons or rule changes or player personalities or whatever it might be, but people have been down on baseball. It's just the way it is, and they've been lagging behind the NBA and the NFL. Something like this where in your format where all of a sudden almost every game especially late in a truncated season, has a World Series Game 7 feel to it. I think that would do wonders for invigorating the sport, much like Piazza's home run did in 2001, much like the home run race in 1998 between Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire did uh, for the game when really it was struggling after the 1994 strike. So, again, that's I, I think it's a great idea just to – kind of get the juices flowing again and, and suddenly baseball's on the forefront of the national conversation. So, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm down for that too. One of the things you mentioned about reasons people are down on baseball, 
Uh, you can't forget about the Houston Astros, and I will say, oh. whenever baseball is played in the Bronx again, it could be 10 years from now, they're not getting a free pass. Oh, yeah. We're not right, forgetting yes. about that. If Rangers fans still yell, Potvin sucks in Madison Square Garden, <laughs> no one is forgetting what the Houston Astros did. But the reason I'm bringing up the Astros is because in that doubleheader divisional playoff, my mind immediately goes to Oakland-Houston and the Athletics being able to finally overcome the Houston Astros in a best-of-three or a doubleheader sweep. And that's where I see getting fans involved in teams that maybe would make the wild card game, but nothing more. And they get a shot at it now. Right. And then suddenly the, the minnows of baseball, these small market teams that really in late September and early October, we find ourselves just naturally rooting for, whether it be the A's or the Rays or the Brewers. Suddenly, I don't want to use the word shocking us, but you know, pulling one out and, and winning one for the little guys. Exactly, and, and that's what this season really is. If they're going to do a season, and this goes for all sports, if you're going to go through with this, if you're going to follow through on a season, you have to, this is for the fans. Yeah. This is like the last Star Wars movie. You're making it for the fans. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it's better than the last Star Wars movie, though. I didn't mind it too much, honestly. Uh, upon a few rewatches, I picked up on some things where it's like, okay, that, that felt a little bit rushed. But there were a lot of elements to the plot that reminded me of Revenge of the Sith, which is my personal Ooh. favorite Star Wars movie. Even in The Crawl, you have the exclamation point. The dead speak. Yeah. That, that's equivalent to um, in Revenge of the Sith when you have war and then Palpatine spits his famous, The dark side of the force is a pathway <laughs> to many abilities some consider to be unnatural line. And I'm just jumping for joy there when I hear that person. Yeah, I'll have to give it another watch or two because I, I kind of found myself leaving the theater just kind of with the, with the feeling of just like indifferent almost. The ending could have been more impactful. Uh, I'll admit that. I'll, I'll confess that truly. I thought that it had a good climax. and But you know what? It kind of followed the template of Return of the Jedi in a way, if you think about it. Yeah, I could see that. I, I can, and really I think I would have, and again, this is me after watching it once, and I'll have to watch it at least one or two or three more times before officially labeling that I didn't like it. I don't want to ever say that the movie's bad, um, but I, I really think that if they could somehow have just split up you know, this last movie into two movies and just given a little more time for things to develop, yeah. I think all of a sudden it would have been great, but... Like yeah. Again, that's all hypothetical at this point. Like taking a Harry Potter approach, sort of. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I would have liked that. And at the end of the first half, you find out that Ray is Palpatine's granddaughter, and then you get the uh, the Resistance's final plan of attack, and it kind of delves more in on that. Um, one thing that I really wish they would have pursued further was the voices of the Jedi. I've been oh, dying yeah. for a second Hayden Christensen hologram. <laughs> I've been waiting on that. Sure. Sure. And also, I mean, there was also not, not to be unnoticed, but you could, you could hear Ahsoka Tano. I was super yes. amped when I heard her. That was, was uh, awesome. Yeah. I was, I was amped. I was like, hey, you know, at least they didn't completely 
you know, it, it was a nice nod to the Clone Wars. The Clone you know? Wars made the Clone Wars were the most important bridge in the gaps of Star Wars. Without yeah. that show, you wouldn't understand really the the depths of the Republic. Even just jumping between episodes two and three, the Clone Wars, the way that you know episode two ends, begun the Clone Wars have, and then all of a sudden ended the Clone Wars have. You don't know what the Clone Wars are unless you watch the show, right? Right? Exactly. You you couldn't hit the nail on the head anymore. It was it, it was so important to the entire Star Wars universe, and uh, it really gives it just that much more substance. You know what the best was? Um, when I saw Solo in the theater, and everyone was shocked to see Darth Maul is alive. You could tell they no. didn't watch the show. Oh yeah, he's always I, been kicking. Yeah, we knew. We, I mean, we knew it was coming. Apparently, in Star Wars, the the one thing anything can kill you, including being sad. But apparently, if you fall to your <laughs> quote death down a gigantic hole, nope, that you're fine. While while cut in half. Yeah, split in half. He had the worst of it. Yeah, Luke only exactly. lost a hand. The Emperor, you know, just had a little bit of static shock. And right. Maul was, uh, yeah, Maul was uh, half cast. <laughs> wow. I'm going to keep this I Star Wars bit in. Yeah, this, this is a nice little turn of events going from sports to Star Wars. This is great. What a nice surprise. But isn't that what, what people are doing now anyway? Sure. Absolutely. Actually, you know what I will say? And I encourage the New York Yankees, among other teams, to find a way to make this feasible. My favorite regular season moment every year with the New York Yankees. My dad's was Mickey Mantle Bat Day. Mine was Star Wars Night. Oh, wow. Star Wars Night was the best. They have every character parade around the field. In addition to the Darth Vader and, and R2-D2 hats, it was always in August. Usually they'd be playing the Mariners. I would go every year. It was so cool. Stormtroopers are literally waiting for you at the gate. And, and just the fact that the Yankees are the evil empire makes it even better. And that they play the Star Wars theme before the playoffs start as both teams approach the first and third base lines. That, I hope that there's a way for them to do it virtually. Or even to the people that have bought tickets to this game, send them merchandise. Send them what the hat giveaway would have been. I hope there's yeah. a way to do that. Yeah, that's that's a good idea. It would have to take some gymnastics from the uh, you know from the advertising teams and the and the, uh, the the PR department and and the promotional staff. But yeah, why not? I mean, there's you know. It, Major League Baseball is, is, is afforded, really, if they return, they're afforded the comfort of having uh, the knowledge that basically whatever you put on TV, especially if no fans are involved, people are going to watch. Yeah. So, really, you can, you can do whatever you want. And if they want to, again, you want to try something, even regarding to that Star Wars night or something like that, or some kind of virtual promotional giveaway, um, Really, that's that's a great idea, and, and I, you know, I've been seeing a lot of trends lately where, um, you know, these these teams have been offering up like uh, almost like contests, like give us your name and your number, and we'll make you a a phone wallpaper of your 
you know, your favorite number in your last name, like it's the back of a jersey almost. Oh, uh, I have seen that. And that's awesome. It's a way to keep fans engaged. And as far as promotional nights go, I don't know the logistics of it, but I'm wondering, just in New York, between the Yankees and Mets, how many promotional nights or promotional giveaways do you think they already have manufactured that are just sitting in boxes? True. Yeah. I mean, what can... You, there, there are tons of things you can do with those, too. You could auction them off for coronavirus research or for charity or something like that. I would or give them to hospitals. Could... Yeah. I would donate it to all the first responders. If, if the director of that a hospital too. knows who his Yankees and Mets fans are and they have boxes of this stuff waiting, I think you give it to them. And if safely you can get a player to autograph it, even personalize it, you know that – Nurse Johnny or, or whoever is a big Aaron Judge fan or Aaron Judge records a video and sends it to him and says, I hope you like this bobblehead or whatever it is. That'd be awesome. I think that – and maybe this is a call to action on our podcast because they, <laughs> like they all deserve it. Yeah, they do. And, and they deserve that and, and more. There aren't enough words or accolades or compliments or praise that we could – Keep on our, you know, our medical professionals and our, our nurses and doctors and first responders. There's not enough I could say. Just voicing my appreciation for them. They've been, uh, you know, they they have been the heroes and 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 they've been the folks that we should all aspire to be and look up to. So uh, again, huge shout out to them. Can't thank them enough. And Joe, one more question before I let you go. And once again, thank you for coming on and. I can certainly tell our listening audience there's going to be plenty more of this to come in the future. A condensed season, or say in a doomsday scenario where the season doesn't end up happening, which, given recent statistics, it appears that we'll get a piece of it, fortunately. And just given the fact that other sports are willing to announce a probability of a return. But this had me thinking, what does this do for a guy like Brett Gardner? Yeah, see, that, that, that's a great question. I mean, you know, the, the one caveat of all this is even if there is no baseball play, service time is still going to be logged. Um, so obviously a veteran player like, like Gardner, that, you know, that's a year lost, obviously. Um, and that's a year of sitting home and doing nothing. And, you know, you're coming off a career season at the age of, uh, you know, 36, 37 years old. And all of a sudden you're going to come back onto the field. You're 38 or 39. And, um, you know, you, you're going to have a lot to prove. And really for, for a Yankees team that is, you know, stuck to the gills with younger talent that's ready to make a run, uh, it, it, it might be a tough sell um, for him to keep his place on the roster, especially when, again, say there's no baseball in 2021, yeah, everybody's healthy. John Carlos Stanton's healthy. Aaron Judge is healthy. Aaron Hicks is healthy. Who knows where Clint Frazier's going to be in this equation? Yeah. Uh, Mike Talkman, who knows what's uh, going to be the deal with him? So, you know, all of a sudden, really by necessity, Brett Gardner was slated to be the Yankees' opening day center fielder this year. Now, all of a sudden, he might be stepping into a situation where he's number four or five on the depth chart. So... Really, it's, it's, it's kind of a wait-and-see mentality, especially for a veteran like Gardner who I, – I don't want to use the word that he's trying to hang on because he's really having some of his best years as a pro now, but 
how long is that sustainable at his age? That obviously remains to be seen, and uh, that might be a gamble that the Yankees might not be so keen on taking at some point. I get what you mean there, and my question, do you think this might be it for Gardner? Do you think he may not even attempt to muster a new season in in next April? You know, I, I think, uh, you know, I've kind of covered the Yankees from afar for a few years now, and, and really as my time as a, a freelancer and a stringer while covering MLB games, I've gotten the chance to kind of get up close and personal with Brett. And I know Yankees fans who have been watching him for 11, 12 years now, they kind of know what to expect from Brett Gardner. Uh, this guy's a competitor. This guy's a gamer. He's tough as nails. He's grit embodied. I think you're going to have to drag him out of baseball kicking and screaming. So I don't think this is it for Brett Gardner. I remember after 2017 when the Yankees had the seven-game falter to the garbage can banging Houston Astros, to put it politely, they, I was wondering, wow, is that going to be it for Gardner? And he just kept going and going and going. Like you said, he is resilient, and I wouldn't doubt that they're going to have to drag him out of the dugout. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Well, Joe, once again, thank you for virtually coming on. I can't wait until we can both do this in person and actually get back out there and and see some games. Next time on, I say we talk about how coronavirus has given the New York Islanders a free pass on what has been a bit of a colossal, colossal shutdown. I love that idea. And uh, Alex, I can't thank you enough for having me on. And I know this is, uh, this is pretty new, this podcast. So I, I just want to wish you the best of luck and can't wait to come on again. Absolutely. Thank you, Joe. And remember, stay safe, wash your hands, and order takeout. Support local restaurants. Sounds, sounds good. I'll, I'll be keeping notes. Okay. Thanks, Joe. All right, brother. And that was AM Rush Sports Edition. Everybody stay tough out there. We're going to get through this together. And hey, hopefully baseball's coming back. Looks like golf is on the way back, and it seems like tennis is going to be back in Queens once again. I know I can't wait to get back on a court. So, New York, have a great weekend. Make the best of quarantine. Do what you can, and keep listening to AM Rush. And don't forget, wash your hands.